Good morning. Good morning. I, guess, <laughs> I don't know you why did that just to throw me off, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I also just feel like when we start talking, it's like the morning of my podcast. <laughs> it's a, podcast time works on a different different calendar. That's right. Yeah. yeah. This is the start of my day with you, which mm-hmm. takes like thirty minutes, and this is the morning. <laughs> I should be it? drinking coffee right now. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the morning. Surprise or not. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Much better this week than last week, actually. Oh, good. Last good. week I was I actually so I, I I can't wait to go back and listen to that episode because <laughs> I think I was in a state to the point where like I talked to Joel and he was like, D- "Are you just like playing up how neurotic you are on the podcast because it's interesting to listen to?" And I was like, "Nah, dude. Like I just I actually do freak out that much." <laughs> and he was like, "Huh, weird. That's not, I just don't I don't have that mode about that." And I was like, "Hmm. Yeah. Well, that must be nice." Well, yeah, I mean, it's good to have, you know, a good balance on the team, I guess. Like if yes. everyone was, if everyone was taking feedback in that way, uh, then it would be a little bit chaotic, probably. It, so. Totally. It, it, yeah, exactly. And we have different, it's interesting because so right after that comment, like a few hours later, um, we found out like a competitor of ours just launched and I'm like, oh yeah, cool. That's sure. That's fine. And Joel was like, oh, see now I'm stressed about this. Ah, so interesting. Like, oh, okay. So we have our, we just have our different areas that we stress we about. Different but, levers. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. And like Spencer's stressed about like like dev delivery things and whatnot. So it's like we all have mm-hmm. different things that stress us out. But like the nice thing is they don't quite overlap. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, all right, this is one of my things. I'm just going to like try to like channel some of Joel's energy or like or vice versa when, you know, when it's flipped. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, I listened back to the episode this morning, actually. And I felt like it was a good one after we recorded it. And sure enough, like same impression. Like I think there's a lot of good stuff here. We We hit the whole gamut of all the different areas we tend to go so i think it's good cool i actually kind of looking forward to listening to it and just being like just, i hope i don't cringe too hard at my craziness we'll see nah it wasn't cringeworthy i mean okay. i didn't think it was cool so um you and i actually have a guest today or let's say a co-host we have a third art of product host today yes there's another person on the screen there is i'm actually psyched about this so um our guest today is sebastian and sebastian co-founder created a company called ultra working and I have been a customer of Ultraworking for a little while now and like really enjoying it. They sent me some t-shirts and I've been doing a bunch of their things and trying their courses and like getting a lot of value out of it. And whenever I have that, I want to bring them on the podcast. So I figured I'd have him come on and chat. And I think he's going to do kind of like what we do, which is like talk about what's going on, what's the context, what's your week like. But hey, Sebastian, welcome. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> it's nice to, nice to have you here. So I can maybe just like kick things off actually which is there's sort of an overlap between you and me Sebastian which is I did my uh, March monthly planning a couple days ago so this is like one of the courses that that you guys offer is like a good effective way to sort of plan a month Uh, I did one for February found it really useful I set a meditation goal for February and nailed it and I think it was basically because of like the light spreadsheet and like actually getting some accountability partners both of which are recommendations from that thing so like all like kind of working as designed which is nice And so I was like, what do I want for March? And the thing I'm trying to focus on is my theme for this month is 10 to 10, which is 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. So I'm trying to like win the night and the beginning of the day. So including like getting to bed at the right time, uh, stretching when I want to, getting a good morning routine that I like. And I'm a few days in and uh, so far so good. Feels great. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really really sharp. Uh, so it's kind of it's also kind of counterintuitive. A lot of people think of winning the day and they just kind of let the night go how it goes. It's the cool thing when you put attention on an area that people usually don't, you focus hard on it for a month, you get a little better forever. You, you can forget about it and you'll still just run some best practices forever. So super cool. 
That's what I'm hoping. And like the sleep thing, I feel like I, I agree. A lot of people ignore, they think of the morning routine, but not so much like what happened before the morning routine. And in February, I would be like, I would force myself to get up with enough time to like do my 10 minutes of meditation, but I'd be tired while I'm doing it. I'm like, this is like better than not meditating, but like it sure would be nice if I weren't tired. And I just wasn't thinking about like what made me tired at that point. And so now I'm like, now I'm still getting the meditation in, but like I'm alert and I feel good. And it's just like a huge change. Bedtime is 100% more important to control and to set than wake time. Everyone's like, oh, I get up at 4 a.m. each day. But like, that's not good if you're going to bed at 1230 a.m., right? So it's like, you know, like, okay, still congrats. It's impressive. But like, if you pick one thing, just like go to bed by eight each day and then wake up whenever you want to wake up. And if your body wants 10 hours and you get up at 6 a.m., great. And if you wake up, you know, inspired at three or four, great. So, you know, a lot of people control for that morning, wake time, bedtime. It's the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like the, the inputs are what make it. To reset your sleep schedule, do you do you force yourself to like lay down at pick a time, say eight o'clock, and then eventually you fall asleep and it and after a couple of days you're able to fall asleep at eight? Or do you do the reverse where you force yourself to get up early so then you're more tired and you go to bed earlier? Is it the second? I, I pull all-nighters. I don't recommend it, but uh, whenever whenever my sleep schedule drifts too late, I'll just take a single all-nighter and have a brutal day, and I'll actually stack it and schedule it so that I can't give up on it, and then I'll go to bed really early and sleep 12 hours and then be up really early again. But I like to wake up really early. Like, my ideal schedule is 4 a.m. or earlier. So sometimes I like to wake up at 3 or 2 and get in, like, a 7-hour day before 9 a.m. Then all those, like, morning Jesus. meetings. Well, no, then all those morning meetings that are killing your morning, if you're having them, are now afternoon meetings. And then you're out of the office, like really done by one or 2 p.m. And then you like go get groceries and go to the gym and nobody's anywhere. And then uh, you don't have a social life. That's the trade off. But, you know, besides that, it's like great. <laughs> the thing that I've been doing that I think has made the biggest difference is just I have a screen deadline, just like no screens for me after 10. If I just look at screens normally, like I will go to bed at midnight if I don't restrict myself like that, like the internet's too interesting. The screen is too blue. Who knows what it is, but like it pushes my bedtime way back. But if I'm in bed reading at 10, 15, I fall asleep in like 20 minutes, like consistently. My body's just ready earlier than I feel like it is if I'm not paying attention. Yeah. Same, same with me. Reading always does it to me, which I mean, I feel a little bit bad that like, I don't make a ton of progress on reading books that I want to read at night because I'm like 15 minutes, boom, I'm ready to hit the pillow, but you know, yeah. it works. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Yeah. So yeah, so just getting onto like updates for me, pretty light week in terms of like huge things happening, but things are good. Things are better. Like I've been doing demos most of the week and like people just like are saying nice things. I'm showing off the app and it's not crashing and it's working pretty well and we have some nice features and the feedback is coming back as like overwhelmingly positive. And I'm just like, why do I? Yeah, I don't, I don't need to freak out about this. Like it's, it's pretty good and it's getting better. So calm down. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to just have it like interact with the world in a way. Mm hmm. That's like the best antidote for me to like feeling uncertain about the state of like, is my product in a good position is just to get get real outside feedback and not just try to like, reason about it and be like, Oh, people are it's probably good. I'm probably on the right track. But to actually hear the real the real stuff that always does it for me too. There's some leads in the pipeline that I'm pretty psyched about too. Like I'm hoping like be able to like say things publicly about com companies that are interesting and people might have heard of. So we'll see more on that later. But promising things are happening, which is cool. What's up in your world? Not a huge update for me either, really. So I, I mentioned last time we talked for like half an hour, it turns out, on like that that notifications feature. So I'm moving ahead with that. And so there's kind of two components to it that we were discussing. One was like just having the notification stream that at least tells you what's what new things have occurred within the context of your inbox. And so at the very least, I, I'm starting with that. And 
it's really coming together nicely. I'm hoping to ship it this week. It's another one that turned into like a week and a half long project, which I'm, those are just brutal for me right now. Like I, I hate spending that much time on one thing. I've got other high priorities stacking up behind it, but yeah, it'll be a, it'll be another good one to get shipped. And then hoping after that, I can start chipping off like smaller one to two day projects. A lot of the things that my that my key team right now wants and needs. Uh, but I did get a nice note today from the founder of the company. He just posted it in their in their level channel. It was like, um, yeah, I just want to say, like I know we've been throwing a ton of like requests and and you know issue reports at you, but I really appreciate the performance improvements and that's a huge deal for us and like things seem on the right track. So it was good to get that positive sentiment because it kind of can feel like, oh man, I'm just getting, there's a lot of requests. Like, is any of this working well for you? So it's good. It was good to get that kind of sanity check of unsolicited, like things are moving in the right direction for them. So, so I'm encouraged. Just leaving a space in case you have a question or <laughs> want to say something, Sebastian, feel free to jump in. I'm not in charge here. You're, you're, you're equal footing. <laughs> We're all doing the courteous thing. It's like it's like a, mm-hmm. a it's like the the movie where there's three guys with guns and it's like who's going to shoot first? <laughs> it's like, well, you know, if he takes him out, I'll take him. Um, you know, an interesting an interesting thing, right? Is is how much do you trust? your own kind of emotional memory if you feel like you're making progress or not, you know, from last week's show, from features, right? Because it's, it's very easy to get one killer feedback and be like, yeah, this is the best. And then, you know, like you're recruiting somebody and then they get a huge offer somewhere else and they join up there and you're like, oh no, we needed a new team member, you know? Emotional memory is very, very short term, you know? And it's, it's something I found, I do weekly review every every Sunday of the past week. And I found I can have a great week. I can kill it five or six days in a row and have a bad seventh day. And I'll be like, that week was so bad. And then I like actually sit and I analyze and I'm like, no, it wasn't. That was a really good week. The flip side, I got five or six kind of eh days and then like a really strong last two. I'm like, that was great. And, I, and then I'm like, no, no, it really wasn't. So it's, it's kind of interesting of like, where do we source our sense of are we making progress? Should we feel good? Should we feel worried? It's kind of an interesting topic. Yeah. It's actually, it's good. Like this podcast sort of serves as that for me a little bit. Like it gives me a chance to, I usually jot down notes ahead of time. Like what happened this week? And it is a nice, it's nice to have like a weekly check-in where I can assess. Cause sometimes I do change my opinion of how the week was when I'm actually outlining, jotting down some notes to talk about on here. So it's kind of nice to have this, this kind of forcing function to make me, make me more objectively evaluate, like what did I actually get done? Sebastian, what are you looking at when you like are reviewing the previous week that tells you whether it was good or bad? So I'm I'm hardcore to an extent that I don't recommend um, other <laughs> people. In, you know, I, and I'm prefaced that way, right? Because there's two things, right? The first thing is that I love it, and everybody has like something they love, right? Like if you're an interior decorator and your office is like super cool and spray painted and everything's covered in something cool and what, like okay, then that's like cheaper for you than other people. It's like leisure time, so like go for it. And should everybody do that now? Um, so I'm like that with data. I like to track. I track my time down to the five minutes. I can tell you how I spent, like you can ask me what I did at 3.43 a year and a half ago and I can tell you, right? And so I look at um, I look at where my time is going. I, I break it into categories. By the way, the simplest version of starting on that is you just write the start time of an activity and then the end time. And then you can like sum it up later in a spreadsheet. I just do that in a text file. And if you're just starting, the only thing I recommend people track is their most important work. Like you define what's most important. Maybe that's development, maybe that's sales, maybe it's recruiting, whatever. And you just track how much time goes into that. So the first thing I look at is like, what's the ratio of time that's in excellent time 
which rotates, you know, that's not always the same. There's certain things that are always good, but it rotates. And then what's the percent of time that goes into like, okay time. And then there's like leisure time, which is, I don't want that too low and I don't want that too high. And there's like bad time. That's time that's just like totally wasted. Like no bad time. Like if I have a no bad time week, I'm happy. If I take like pure leisure when I'm chilling, that's good. Right. So like, I actually don't care if I take a lot of leisure, as long as I'm not like surfing it, click, 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 kind of mindlessly. Like that's, that's not good. That's bad. And then obviously as much excellent time as possible. And I kind of trust that the inputs will lead to outputs. We have metrics and stuff, obviously for, you know, people signing up and we track our weekly growth and, you know, we like solicit feedback pretty, pretty constantly. We're a pretty customer responsive company, but, uh, you know, I feel like if the inputs are right and if you're spending your time on the right stuff and then you're like, you know, you're working pretty well then that's pretty good. And I use a light spreadsheet, like you said, uh, Ben, I just crossed like the 250 week mark. Um, but basically nonstop use. I missed a couple of weeks here and there. And uh, it's just like, if everything's green, I'm doing the right stuff as long as the right stuff's on there. And if it's getting red, like I'm skipping morning routines, I'm not taking a nap, I'm not putting time in whatever my major project areas that's on there, I'm not going to the gym. You know, okay, well, just get those green. Those are kind of the early warning indicators that I'm not doing the stuff that I might not pay a penalty for this week, but it's kind of like it sneaks up on you. If you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well, you're not working out, you're not putting time into future systems building. You're just kind of running the engine and not building capacity. So, you know, kind of look at a couple of those. It takes about an hour to look at everything for a week. And, you know, as long as the inputs are good and I'm doing the right stuff, it's predictive forwards looking. I kind of, I kind of trust that everything will work out. And then we, of course, sit down and do channel stats and stuff periodically, but the inputs are good and, and you're working it, you know, intelligently, then the outputs will, will take care of themselves to mm. some extent. I really like this idea of like stepping back and doing a more honest or data driven assessment of the week. I feel like that might help me a little bit with the sort of like, yeah, like the last week was so terrible because I had that one day where I felt bad about that one thing that happened. But like, if you looked at the numbers and looked at the other things that happened, like actually overall, like this was like an 89% good week. So like, why am I worried about the small part that wasn't as good and, and vice versa? Like, don't like, I, th- I think I'm, I think this is sort of the, the human uh, tendency is to focus on the most recent thing, I guess, or probably the most emotionally uh, tangible thing and decide like, that's, that's how I'm doing and not step back and go, wait a minute, what else is there? Yeah, totally. How do you define wasted time versus leisure time because for me i feel like a lot of my wasted time is arguably leisure for example i look at twitter quite a bit because partially it's like it's my one social media vice and it's how i keep up on latest in the tech world and i'm sharing stuff about the progress of building level on there but some of the times it definitely bleeds from the territory of like i'm doing marketing stuff into like i'm just kind of mindlessly like reading tweets if you're reflecting on tracking your time would you do you set a threshold on like okay this is this is waiting from the productive use of twitter time into the unproductive use time so i'm going to categorize this as bad time or like how would you yeah i mean you you went right you went right to the edge case twitter's literally the edge case right so you you asked me about the hardest one you know there's like watching old royal rumble wwf hulk hogan youtube not like with your friends because you wanted to but like you were looking something up on wikipedia and suddenly you're like oh, the undertakers are running it you know and it's like and then you like watch three hours like okay that's like not a good use of three hours and if you chose to do that like if, if you having, get way off if you like get way off yeah, task or something then it's like yeah. obviously bad yeah so right. I, I have two categories i actually only have two categories in my bad category um and the first one's neurotic flow, right? So there's flow state, you know, Shikzent Mahaili wrote about flow state, right? It's where time disappears or whatever. And so there's flow state is very often like a life affirming, great 
thing, right? You know, you're making art, you're painting, you're coding, you're writing, you're, you know, you're really just in it. Whatever you're doing, you're in it, time disappears, it's great. Well, if that's like an anti-life activity, right? Like if you don't want to be playing World of Warcraft or Fortnite or whatever the new thing is, and you're on there and you're in flow state, that's bad because like time disappears, but you're like in a chair achieving digital achievements that, you know, if that's what you want to do, like, I mean, great. You know, I mean, I actually played a couple of games to a fairly competitive level. I really enjoyed that. I wrote a book about math and behavior models from video games. Like, great. Like if you're doing it on purpose, great. So anything I pre-decide I'm going to do, I'm going to play games all day. Cool. That's leisure. eye internet dangerous category. Keep an eye on it, but it's leisure. But whenever I like find myself when I wanted to be like this block of time was supposed to be for like writing job descriptions and I'm on Twitter for two hours, that's like, I might've got on there for a valid reason to check out, you know, what's a comp in the industry or something, but you know, whatever my, my hack for that, by the way, is I'll only look at Twitter. I'll only look at Twitter when I have something to do in about 20 minutes. If I don't have anything to do in 20 minutes, I try not to look at Twitter. And similar to what Ben said, the end of the day, Twitter is the really bad thing that becomes the night Twitter that becomes the not sleeping and becomes the thing. So there's that's neurotic flow. The other category that was marvelous for me that I put in bad was stuff that I agreed to do that I really shouldn't have agreed to do. And that was quite high when I first defined it. And now it's like basically zero most of the time. So when someone's like, hey, can you do X for me? My default used to be yes. Like I pride myself on being a really helpful person. I was like in the nonprofit world for a number of years, which is like, you know, you like take care of people and they take care of you. And it's a very relationship based. And there's like, there's no resources. You're like trying to do good, you know? So it's like very like you take care of people and you help them out, right? But sometimes you get asked for something. It's like just heading during a week that you just really are going to take damage in your core thing if you say yes to that. And I've gotten much better at not doing that, right? So if I'm like, I got to go to this stupid thing that I agreed to do and it's going to like take six hours and this was a total mistake, that goes in that category. And that's really bad. But like if I'm choosing like, hey, I'm going to chill out on Twitter or I'm going to like, you know, watch watch some guy stream some video game for like a couple hours on purpose because I want to do that, that's great. So when I wanted to be doing something else and I get sucked in and time disappears. Another rule for that is if I'm checking in every half an hour and be like, do I want to be doing this? And I'm like, yes, I do. Then I'm okay. Then it's leisure. But if it's just like four hours pass, five hours pass, you can sometimes judge by if you feel bad afterwards. It's not not a universally correct one. I feel like, why did I do that? That's probably bad. If you're like, that was fun. That was cool. Then that's probably good. That's interesting. I kind of like that, like not letting any time get completely unbounded where unless you plan for it ahead of time or like, I'm going to spend four hours on this, then I feel like that's a that could be a really powerful thing to just force yourself every half an hour to like check. Or should I be doing this? seems like a very simple simple thing that could have a good impact sebastian you know what's great about you you are ridiculously hardcore but you also realize that this level of hardcore is too much for most people and you have like a pragmatic version of all the like kind of ridiculous hardcoreness that you do someone that was this as into these things as you are that wasn't like also kind of like aware of like how hardcore they are would be like could get very like luxury very easily or like, like kind of insufferable, like, wow, this like guy is all about work and that's all, like he thinks everyone should do this. And I feel like you're like, I love this. This is what gets me happy. I'm super intense about this. Uh, I also realize that there's like a spectrum and I, not everyone should live exactly this way. Thank you. It's very nice of you. Like you're not insufferable. That's one of the better compliments that I got this week. Um, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I thought that was great. Um, but cool. uh, Good. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I could work on, on my no no, no 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 that's perfect that was so real um look so here's the thing right i think every company and if you're, if you're building a company you should look at this every company 
will get some stuff for free. It's like a class in a video game, right? So GitLab has like extremely good documentation, right? Because like they're GitLab, so like there you go. And like Facebook has like really good internal tools. So if you wanna code a, a good internal tool as a developer at Facebook, like everyone's gonna support you. Everyone's gonna be on board with that. People will try it out. There's like a culture around that. And you won't have to like go bug and pester people. And you're like, oh, I don't wanna switch tools, right? Like Facebook's constantly upgrading their internal tools. And that's just kind of a function of just how complicated their 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 thing is that they had to they had to have really good tools to be able to navigate the whole thing. I, I joke with Kai that it's one app, Facebook.dmg, that's like a disaster to run. You know, so it's kind of like every organization will get some stuff kind of for free, right? So I, I would suspect, Ben, that that you know, you guys thinking about collaboration, thinking about sharing a lot when you start ramping up your hiring, you'll probably have like better hiring practices than most people and better onboarding and like you'll level up people as coders faster. And then, so you should start like marketing for that when you do job descriptions, right? Because like when you get better at that and go deeper in that than somebody should, you know, in a bank or in a finance app or, you know, wherever, right? You guys can go harder core on that because that makes you more valuable to your users and that's on expertise, right? Likewise, you know, Derek over there at Level, like y'all are probably going to have like the best chat, synchronous communications, thinking about boundaries, connections around that. That's going to be really cheap for you where like it really wouldn't be worth it for a lot of small and medium-sized teams to invest in like a really great communications person reporting to the COO that goes around and makes everyone a better communicator, right? So for us, given that we're working on like human performance, consistency, getting things done, like it, it makes sense for me to go way deeper than anyone should. It makes sense to go to like eight 80-20 passes, you know, the 99.996 or whatever, right? Where you do, you take the cuts repeatedly and you take, you know, the second 80-20 gets you 16% of the gains for more of the work and whatever, you know? So it makes sense for me to go super deep on that because it's, first off, I get a huge kick out of it. That's, you know, hopefully you get a kick out of something about the area you founded your company in um, or that you're building a product in if you're, if you're working elsewhere. But then, you know, if I really fight hard to get a, fraction of a percent edge, but then we can, we can build that into technology and into workflows for, for our customers. Then like, that's not, that's not a hundred hours to geek out, to optimize a little fraction of my life. That's a hundred hours to get insight, to be able to optimize something for potentially thousands or, or, or many more than thousands of people's lives. So it's kind of like, I think people don't think about that enough. Like with the type of organization we're building, what are, what are we naturally going to get almost for free? And then we can go hard on that. And then we can also like connect with people that want to work here that are into that. You and I did a call a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, how's your week going? You're like, it's going great. And you're like, I kind of have to have it go great, though, because like my job is to make a company that helps people have great weeks. And so if I'm not doing it, then like I kind of can't have my company. So it's I'm true. just always doing great. No, it's true. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, that's 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 really true. Um well, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if you're if you're like all about clean code and stuff, then, you know, you better write yeah. clean code. You know, that's your thing, right? Totally, yeah. No, it was hmm. it was good and interesting because it was true. Like uh, what is your what is an average day like for for you, Sebastian? Like, what kind? What's the type of work that you're doing that you've figured out how to master in, in a way that you always have a feeling like you're having a productive good week? Oh man, I, w- I wish I had a regular week. So you know, that's the problem <laughs> of being a CEO is is like whatever's on fire is yours. Um, to yeah. you know, whatever's bad, you go build. Me and my co-founder, right? We cut those up between us. Um, and then you go maximize on the stuff that's working and pour gas on it. But, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of flip between different impact areas. Um, I run most of the 
Um, I run most of the revenue CRO activities. I run most of the recruiting and hiring, though, though Kite is a substantial part of that too. My co-founder who's brilliant. He's a wonderful guy. I'm very privileged to work with. Kind of split up ops between us. He does more ops than I do, but but some of those are mine. And we just promoted one of our guys, Xavier, who's, who's really sharp into being head of engagement. So he's taking over a lot of the like, you know, making customers successful and get them to understand how they can use it and connecting with people and doing it better. So I was running that um, before that. So that's handed off. And then there's kind of like, you know, just kind of whatever falls through the cracks. There's all kinds of little things in an organization that you don't understand is part of the game that you're signing up for. And you kind of just, all right, who's who's on fireman's duty on that one, right? And then uh, I just do that. It rotates. I heard a quote from um, from a friend of mine who's a founder who's pretty successful. He built his company with no external funding to, to about like 3 million in revenue in a couple of years. And then they were at like 15 million revenue a couple of years after that. So no, no external funding, really, really sharp guy. And he said, you know, as a founder, your job is to like build islands, right? And as soon as the island is such that other people can live on it and inhabit it, you, you hire, you hand that off, and then you go build another island. So you're back in the ocean and like you're reclaiming the ground from the ocean. And then as soon as it's like habitable and like you could just chill and nothing, then you go build something else in the middle of the ocean. So that's a, that's a big part of the job. Beyond that, you know, you want to keep the flag high. You want to like really just be an advocate for customers constantly, make sure customers are having a ton of success, having a ton of fun. Product is really, really good. Um, staff is having fun. Everyone's leveling up. Everyone's growing. I mean, those, those parts of the job don't change um, and are, are some of the most fun parts of the job. So that's that. But like, it's like, all right, well, we got to go, got to go heavily recruiting for developers right now. Okay. Like we need to go, you know, deal with engagement. I'll, I'll tell you a terrible thing that bummed me out. So if everybody wants a bum out thing, 20% of people that bought from us didn't log on and use our tech once. We just built a unified stats dashboard that we could. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. like that, that was like a, that like ruined a week of my life when we realized that. On the other hand, it was like a little like uh, uh, relieved that I knew it now, right? So it's like, why, why? And like, we sent a million emails and reminders and stuff. And I was like, all right, we gotta build like a comprehensive onboarding. We're gonna make a mandatory, but useful initial assessment you have to take before you get access. And then we built like warnings so that like, if you haven't taken that, and the initial assessment's cool. It's like, hey, how's your like life going? Are you dialed in on this or not, right? Are you on this or not, and this or not, right? And like, if somebody hasn't taken that, it sends them warning messages and us warning messages, and we'll just do anything we can to try to get people just started. Right, one out of five people. Whoa, that's so bad. Right, so like, okay, well, that's my biggest problem. You know that I didn't know that I had. You know until we figured it out. Right, and we built a unified stats thing on Airtable. Right, so, yeah, well, okay, that's what I'm working on for a while. I bet your average SaaS app is higher than that percentage wise. Still unacceptable, but yeah, Yeah. sure. I'm not saying like. Yeah, not saying you should be cool with that, but also that you're you're probably not an outlier in that. Yeah, I talked with a couple of friends because I'm like, are we dying? Is Chernobyl happening? They're like, no, 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 it's all right. It's actually not that bad. I'm like, it's really bad though. They're yeah. like, yeah, it's bad, but it's like not that bad. I'm like, okay. Sales and customer success is kind of like becoming the project manager of a person who claims they want to use your your company. They want to use your product. And so you basically become their person that checks in with them regularly and says, like, you said you wanted to do this. Like, I'm here to help make sure you do this. And you're on my to-do list now, and I will not stop harassing you until you do the thing that you said you want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let it be. Let us be clear here. No one's holding a gun to your head, making you do this. You wanted to do this. <laughs> so yeah, let's make it happen. It's a weird. It's a weird yeah. position to be in. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah. it's like my. It's like in like doing onboarding. It's like I feel like what's my job? My job is to get them off of Twitter and actually doing the thing they want to do. <laughs> 
is like kind of how I see it. It's like my competition is the internet and, you know, boredom or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you're paying us. Please use it and get results. You know, people really like it. Totally. Can I show you our pages and pages and pages of happy customers? Ben Ben likes it. You shouldn't get on it, right? <laughs> it's really great. Um, yeah, no, so you got to get on people's case. I mean, that's that's a tragedy, right? And, and, you know, gyms in real life actually oversell their capacity, right? And they don't sure. want you to yeah, show yeah. up. If everyone shows up, they're out of business, right? The, the fire, fire marshal shut them down, right? But like... You know, online, it's like, please, like, let, you know, you bought this presumably because you want a result. Use it. Or, like, tell us why you don't want to, right? Like, we had someone's like, hey, I got really sick. I got I got hurt and sick and whatever. I'm like, cool. We're going to just, like, comp you until you're healthy. Like, we got you for, like, the next six months. Like, don't sweat it. We got your back. Like, you know, like, talk to us, right? We had a woman write in, like, hey, I love ultra working. It's great. I just found out I'm pregnant. And it's kind of like, you know, I'm not going to be ultra working. I'm going to be, like, being, you know, I'm just going to be, like, doing my thing and having a, having a delivery. I'm like, cool. We got you till the end of the year. Like, come by if you want to, like, get a little session in, whatever research baby nutrition or whatever you might be doing but like we got your back right and like i just so and like a lot of times it's that right i was doing sales many many years ago back when like websites sold for a lot of money i had like a little website development thing way back in the day and so i could get on the phone and sell and there's somebody was about to buy it's a true story someone's about to buy it was like done we were like liked each other we had a spec it was good it was like okay now pay here you go totally disappeared and I was like, what happened? And it was like, nothing was wrong. It was like, it was, so I like left so many voicemails and emails and everything. I was like, why, why? Please just tell me, are you okay? Did anything happen? Did something go wrong? Did, you know, did, did my business partner like have somebody like with the same name as him commit a felony that you Googled him? Like what, what happened? Like what's going on here? Right. You know, I was like, what, what is going on? And I got an, I got an email. So then I forgot about it after the 30th follow-up or not, not really 30th, but in the dozen, like over a dozen. And I get an email from him a year ago or a year later. Um, I got an email from him like, hey, I want to let you know. I really like you guys. I really appreciate it. I want to work with you. I was in a I was in a car crash and I was really, really hurt. Right. You know, I was in a car crash and I was really, really hurt. So like everything went on pause. Like my business is kind of gone. I'm picking up the pieces and I'm like, cool, like let us know if we can do anything for you. But there's I, I think we need to bear that in mind too, is that like life happens to people and you can like treat them as well as you can. So it'll never be hundred percent of people using our things. Cause like whatever, like really stuff happens. Right. Nevertheless, I think probably some people are like on Twitter and wishing they were doing ultra working and that's our job to get them on that and, you know, get them on tuple, get them on level, get them on board and get them getting that first magical, like the first magic that they signed up for. If they haven't had that yet, once they've had that, it's kind of like, all right, now this is your own We'll still support you very heavily and get on your case, but it's kind of your own fault if you know that it works great and you're not using it. But if you haven't used it yet, I mean, like, fair enough. Like, let's get you mm-hmm. on it. Totally. I like that islands analogy that you were making earlier. I feel like we're just starting to kind of put those things together on our end. Whereas, like, we, we had a discussion today and it was like, okay, thinking about how we're going to onboard this next set of teams. And it was kind of like, you know, maybe now that there's a bit of a process here, we should have someone else do this. This is not me. Like I've been doing this a lot and now there's a big backlog of it. It's like, maybe, maybe I'm not the best person for this anymore. And Joel's like, yeah, I can, I can definitely do this. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And it was like the first time where I feel like we've like, we've directly handed off a thing like that. And I was like, oh man, this is great. And so like I spent today writing up a doc being like, this is what I think that the thing should look like. And this is what the goal should be. And like, here's what I've been doing so far. And it's like, oh, I'm starting to get it now. It's like, I'm starting to understand how this company building thing might kind of work. Where it's like, okay, now there's a thing in place and someone else should do this thing. And now, like, what should I be doing? Well, probably still sales because we're still trying to, like, you know, get past ramen profitable. Uh, but this is great because now it frees me up to just do more of that as opposed to think, like, okay, 
these people are already closed, but like to get them onboarded. It's like, no, someone else can do that. I can keep pushing these leads and, and focusing on like the keep the company alive part, which is, it's just awesome. It's just like this duh moment kind of, but it's like, I, I hadn't thought like, oh, and when should I delegate this thing or should I delegate this thing? It just hadn't really crossed my mind oddly enough. Hmm. That's good. That's a good realization to have though. And nice that you don't have to necessarily hire an outside person right now to make that happen. You have a, another team member who can kind of help pick up some slack. Does that mean he's doing less? Cause he's writing code too right now. Right. So is he doing yes. like, like winding down a little bit of the code time and doing some more other stuff? The, yes, he is. And, and yeah. he's actually been moving more in that direction. So like, there's just, there's these pieces of like companyness that we need where it's like, People keep asking us when I'm like closing things like, oh, like, do you have a terms of service I need to sign? And I'm like, no, we just don't worry about it. It's cool. And I'm like, we should probably have a terms of service. And then like things, things of that nature, like we got to pay taxes this year and we should probably have an accountant and all this stuff. So there's, there's more operations stuff that and just like company, like, like proof of legit companyness that need to get done. So he's, he's doing more and more of that, yeah, which is super useful because I don't want to think about any of that. Bench. Bench is good for automated bookkeeping yeah, and yeah. they partner with accountants. So they're like very slightly pricier than you want to do when you're bootstrapping, but like it's worth it because you don't have to think about it anymore. Your taxes are kind of like done. Yeah, we looked at them earlier and we thought about doing that. I think we decided not to do them at this point just because we had so few expenses. There was like almost like no work to categorize them, but that's changing. Joel just made like a spreadsheet of like everything we're paying for. And it's like, wow, like we got a lot of things already. Like they just keep adding up. By the way, most expensive thing on that list, Derek? yeah drip.com really yeah <laughs> it's good they built a successful it's business <laughs> yeah. yep with their with, with our new, fresh new high pricing <laughs> sorry about that i had nothing to uh, do with that. <laughs> yeah not your fault anymore you, yeah. no blame but yeah oh by the way i, I think we we're spending about what was it uh uh i think it's six thousand dollars a year now or is that what it was yeah, somewhere in there. I'll get the number. I, I'm curious. I forget what it was. I think it was about yeah. five grand a year in, in yeah. just stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. SaaS, just various SaaS things. SaaS, yeah. It, yeah. It, and then it's the accountant cost 900 bucks for the taxes or something and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. That stuff adds up really quickly, but it's still, I still feel like it's a it's a major win over the days where you didn't have all these, you know, little automated services you could pay, you know, a little bit each month to and you had to actually like outlay larger retainers or something you know something like that like or buy physical assets like who wants to like buy a server Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah no it's net net it's it's great i'm pretty into it yeah we're using a lot of off-the-shelf software which is wonderful Mm -hmm. i mean tuples built on webrtc which is you know open source and free so Mm -hmm. hey that's cool Mm -hmm. for now (laughs) you think that could change yeah Uh, i think it will have to change actually hmm like or at least for the video screen portion of the app okay oh you mean for tuple tuple will have to change and use different underlying t- i thought you were saying WebRTC would no longer be free and open source and i was like Whoa, ah, what, what is this no no no, 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 <laughs> okay. no, no. Yeah, our, our app got it yeah yeah well uh anything else you guys want to cover what else is on your mind i did have a question for sebastian because so I haven't dug too deeply into kind of the, the work cycles concept, but I know that's a big, that's kind of a big piece of your methodology, right? My, my biggest question about that, because I've never, I've never really tried to structure my day in such a way where it, where it has a very strong cadence of work for a block of time and then take a break. And because I've found that a lot of times, if I attempt to do something like that, 
it's not enough time for me to build up in my head all of the like network of knowledge and and ideas that I need to have like kind of waiting there at the ready to actually produce creative work, whether I'm writing code or, or envisioning how to build a new feature or something like that. I make it, say, 30 minutes. And then if I'm forced to take a break at that time, then I'm like kind of busting my mental cache of things that I had built up over the previous 30 minutes. And so I've always struggled with trying to do creative work in a structured way like that. So I'm just curious, like, what what are your thoughts on on how to fit creative work into a kind of regimented cycle? Yeah, totally. So for people that are highly, highly effective and they do it the way that you do it and they're highly effective and it's like if you're honest with yourself and you sit down and you run your numbers like when you do that it just works a very high percentage of the time and it's not like one out of five times that works and you think it's great but you forget about the times that it busts and and, and nothing really happens right so some percentage of people that have that don't use us for that and like in fact the stuff that you're really really good at and you're totally on top of and you've got a great workflow and you're killing it on it's it's kind of unnecessary it's kind of overkill you know, to, uh, you know, to, to kind of bring to work cycles, right? Use it for, you know, doing biz dev, use it for doing accounting, bookkeeping, you know, straggly things that, you know, maybe you don't have a process and a mental model around, you don't have an expertise around. With that said, um, I used to be an inspiration writer. So I'm, I'm very lightly technical. I'm, I'm the top 1% of non-technical people technically, or the bottom 1% of technical people is where I'm at. Like I pretty much know what everything is. And if there's an emergency, I can like Google error messages and fix it. But a lot of times I'm like, okay, what are the credentials for that? I'll go in, I'll change it. He's like, don't, don't do that. I got it. I got it. Because <laughs> guy's like an, an ace developer, right? So like, I know what's up, but I'm not super technical, but friends with a lot of people who are on like really the cutting edge at, at like really doing difficult stuff. Right. So I, I know kind of the mental models of some, some really top, top people. And, um, you know, it's interesting, different people work different ways. I can talk about writing cause I was, I think a reasonably sophisticated and pretty good writer for a while, like difficult historical essays, like Soviet far East policy to keep Japan out of world war two type stuff, 8,000 words with actionable takeaways you could learn from it type stuff. Right. And, you know, I used to be an inspiration writer where I would like really just kind of dig around until I got some sort of gestalt and then kind of just write until I ran out of gas. And it was a very unreliable process until I came across a book by Bob Posen called Extreme Productivity. Whole book is okay, but I always recommend the chapter on writing to people. And uh, I think it's chapter six or seven. And he did a lot of research and it's pretty conclusive and was compelling to me because I literally flipped my orientation and my methodology around writing to um, doing it in... Uh, blocks of firmly defined, I'm only outlining, or I'm only brainstorming when I'm brainstorming, I'm only outlining when I'm outlining, I'm only writing when I'm writing, and I'm only editing when I'm editing. And I'm very clear and draw a very clear distinction on what I'm doing. So you brainstorm if you're not sure what you want to have a piece about, you outline it once you have all the pieces, you write once you have a good outline, and you edit afterwards, but you don't edit in real time. And if you ever get stuck, it's kind of fractal. So if you ever get stuck on one section of your piece, you can brainstorm what you want that section to say and then outline the section more deeply and then write it and then edit it right so and i added a research stage so i had five so sometimes i have to do research after or before different places so i could go to that mode as well and that took the time that it took me to write an essay uh, like a six six seven thousand good word word good essay from like 40 plus hours down to like 12 to 18 so it made a gigantic difference for me and it made me much more reliable i just literally never got writer's block again as long as I had any inkling of what I wanted the piece to be about. If I had no inkling at all, I could get a little stuck. But as long as I kind of knew what I wanted to do, I could take that and run with it. Now, if you have a lot of skills that are really hard-baked intuitive, but you can't externalize them, 
and you can't say, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm just going on feel. Well, you're actually probably running some sort of mechanical-ish process, whether you realize it or not. It might be just really baked in. You might have the muscle memory down cold, right? You know, it's like a a top athlete that can't tell you their biomechanics, they're, they've got biomechanics. They're, they're using their muscles to do stuff, right? So is it worth kind of like breaking down your whole form of working to rebuild it in explicit things where you could say, all right, I'm going to like jump into this topic and I'm going to like get oriented either on the, the business and the organizational level, or I'm going to like get oriented around the technological landscape and capabilities, or I'm going to think at how these pieces fit together. And then like I can, you know, concretize that into some sort of chart or diagram or whiteboard it or write out the specs or the requirements or the user story or whatever methodology you want to use at various places in this hierarchy and then code in very modular, um, you know, uh, whatever the opposite of a monolith is. I'm forgetting the term right now. Uh, what is it? The, the services model and my microservices. Microservice. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, you could probably take apart your genius and put it back together um, in a way that you could do the mechanics. You know, you can kind of separate the the figuring things out phase from the from the making it happen phase, you know? And so I think for me, a lot of times they're intertwined. Like I will start off in a direction. And if I, if I spend too much time trying to like figure out how all the pieces fit together from the get go, then I can get stuck blocked because like it, there's just too many the puzzle's too large. I can't envision the whole thing. So I have to like look at a small corner of it and then kind of brainstorm that, set a plan. Then I can start implementing stuff. And then usually I'll hit a natural point where like, okay, I'm heading in this direction. And now like there's a bunch more stuff, more parts of the puzzle I need to figure out. I need to get back into the brainstorming mode. And I feel like I could probably fit the the implementation phase into more you know regimented cycles. But then if anytime I need to kick back into kind of the okay, I really don't know what to do on the next phase. I need to stare at the ceiling for a while and think about this. Then that part can be maybe break outside of the the regimented mold and allow myself to have more freeform time. Well, here, like here's a question. Is there a way to reliably do ideation and clarification of ideas while searching for a gestalt or a pattern? And if the answer is yes, then you could just sit down and and, and, and just knock it out the way you would knock out you know, a simple bug fix to accommodate an internet explorer or whatever, right? That's not a simple bug fix. It's a disaster. But I used to be a gigantic believer in like inspiration and epiphany and you can't nail this stuff down. I, I don't believe that anymore. I do believe people, that's their self model around it. And I do believe there's people very successful around that. And it's an incredibly painful process at the start of it to take apart your own mechanics. I mean, biomechanics are hard enough. Like when a tennis player or a golf player starts to like re-architect their, their swing, after an, an injury or as they get older to compensate for like a loss of power, they want to get more accuracy or whatever. That's painful. But like you can watch a video and see what your elbow is doing, right? It was like when your brain, you, can, you know, you kind of, it's, I'll be straight honest with anybody that's, that this holds mild appeal to. I don't think the start of it's pleasant. I think it's kind of torturous and like the meta reflection and it's kind of like, it took me a long time to redo my writing mechanics that were like slower and like unpleasant. And like the only reason I didn't give up is because I was like, pretty convinced I was going to be a much better, faster writer afterwards, and it was worth it. So if you can get to the point where you can make substantial progress in a 30-minute chunk, even with the most abstract, broad, sweeping things, because it's probably a set of mechanistic-ish thinking patterns or connections. Now, there's some serendipity, and I suppose if some if two sorts of ideas are really disparately unrelated, or if you need to bring six 
configurations of ideas together than, you know, maybe just chilling out at like a jazz lounge and like put, you know, having like some sci-fi on your laptop while reading a book at the same time. Like, like sometimes that's just correct. And then, yeah, obviously don't, I mean, I mean, for bring, bring works out with the jazz lounge if you really want to, but I don't think that's, that's what, you know, I don't think that's the, 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 the game, right? There's other modes of working, but I strongly suspect that anybody that has really good intuitive mechanics could break them down, could make them explicit and more reliable. I don't think it's necessarily worth it. If it's your ace thing and you like how you do it, which you seem like you, you're ace at it and you like it, I'm like, well, then don't bother. And like, you know, we're here for you when you got other stuff. Maybe they got stuff that slots in nicely or stuff you don't want to do that's aversive that the social accountability and the structure helps with. Um, but I do, you know, on a theoretical level, believe that that you can get to mechanical patterns and there's still going to be intuition buried in there but you can clarify i'm aiming for this i want to understand our positioning relative to the market or i want to understand what would cause a extreme amount of delight and you can say well what would be delight it, would be, it could be visual it could be experiential about the feedback to the user and you'd have to be able to like name or at least think around some of these patterns but if you mm -hmm. can get that to the me mechanical level then your reliability goes way up and i think quality too at least that's been my experience that's really interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear you kind of opine on that. I think there's a lot of nuggets in there. I'm going to re-listen to it for yeah, sure. Yeah, pardon me and, for uh, <laughs> waxing. Yeah, sorry. No, it's good. We're hanging it's out good. talking about product, and I'm talking about <laughs> biomechanics and mental patterns. Pardon me. Um, it's good stuff. It's all good. It's your style. Everybody's got a style. <laughs> it's my style. I, the edge of insufferable, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I get it. I get it. I mean, but you guys are hardcore too. You're like laid back on the art of our product call, but you guys are both hardcore guys. Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't say I wasn't insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear. I, I love, I love it. Like I, um, you know, I, I obviously did some prep to come on the show. So I listened to a bunch of episodes and sometimes you're like, like you're not the audience, right? So you're like listening and you're like, all right, let me understand what they're doing for people that are just graduating college or whatever, going to get a job and like, and you're listening and it's like, good, they're bringing people or whatever. I love this. This is this, the dialogue and the, the connection between you two is, is just, it's just outstanding. And it's so like, how you doing? Okay. You know, in American English, okay, is like not great, right? Like it's, it's so real, right? Because when you're building, everyone like wants to put the flag of themselves on Everest, right? But they don't want like the photos of them with dysentery and base camp. Like just like, why is this happening, right? And like, that's part of it. And like, that's part of the process. Um, and it's, it's, it's a joy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to kick it a little bit. This is, this is great. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's definitely the explicit mission of the podcast is like mm -hmm. show all the parts. Yep. Cool. Well, shall we wrap it? Yeah, let's wrap it. Uh, thanks again, Sebastian, for coming on. Hey, my pleasure. We're definitely going to link up ultra working. Do you have any like specific first page or something you want to send people to or like a good intro kind of thing? Yeah, we can we can send them to ultraworking.com. I mean, we could hook them up if you want. You want to do like a hookup for, for your people? It's your call, man. I mean, it's totally up to you. All right. We can, we can put something up on ultraworking.com slash AOP if you want to try it out at a, a bit of a hookup. That's the special hookup rate um, just for here. Like, you know, like we, one of the reasons we charge what we do is so we have like a really vetted good community, but I feel like anybody that listens to this is probably like our kind of people big time. So we can put something up on ultraworking.com AOP for people. Yeah, I can confirm every single person that listens to the show is awesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've met person. I met every single one personally. We've conducted interviews with every one of them. I'm speculating, but I don't. I hope I'm not on too far. If you're listening and you're like, "No, nah, I'm kind of lame," then you, you just you can you can. There you go. But, don't but go to that if you're, if you're great, if you know yeah, you're lame. Recuse yourself AOP. from yeah, please. Yeah, it's <laughs> disclaimed and stuff. No, it's it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's, 
Nice. Awesome. Cool. cool. Well, thanks, thanks for coming on. Uh, show notes, Mr. Derek? Yes. Show notes can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye.